Hi everyone, welcome to this week's edition of Vegan World. Um, this week we speak to Dr. Michael Grieger. Now, as many of you will know, Dr. Grieger uh, has appeared on many Netflix documentaries um, in the last 5, 10, 15 years, such as Cowspiracy, Forks Over Knives, What the Health, uh, and many others. Dr. Grieger is a physician, an author, a professional speaker, amongst many other things, uh, who advocates a whole foods plant-based diet. Now, if you're familiar with his work, you'll be familiar with Dr. Grieger's unique way of telling a story, which I think comes across in the interview today. I also wanted to speak to Dr. Grieger about his publications, namely How Not to Die, How Not to Die the Cookbook, and How Not to Diet. Now, if, like me, you don't get a terrible lot of time to sit down and read a book, what I would do is what I did. It was actually an audio download. Uh, which was great fun to listen to. Uh, Dr. Grieger makes these uh, stories quite interesting to listen to in his own funny, inimitable way. So we talk about that and everything else and about the future of veganism over the next five to ten years. So sit back, relax and enjoy today's episode with Dr. Michael Grieger. So hello and welcome to Vegan World to Dr. Michael Grieger. Hi, Dr. Grieger. Hello, happy to be here. <laughs> so, Dr. Gregor, your two latest books, How Not to Die and How Not to Diet, um, the last of which I read, I, I tell a lie, I I didn't uh, read it, I got it on audio download, so I listened to your voice for a couple of hours every day on the way to work. Um, <laughs> you, you go into quite a bit of detail, um, How Not to Die from Heart Disease, How Not to Die from Brain Diseases, and How Not to Die from Diabetes. Now, in the book, you talk about your belief that these conditions uh, can not only be avoided altogether by a plant-based diet, but in a lot of cases, the body can actually heal itself and reverse these conditions. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, the good news is a tremendous power over our health, death, and longevity. The vast majority of premature death and disability is preventable with a plant-based diet and other healthy lifestyle behaviors, and that's what the book was, uh, the first half of How Not to Die, which is 15 chapters, and each of the 15 leading causes of death, talk about the old diet. We talk about preventing, rushing, reversing each of our top 15 killers. Then the second half of the book, um, I want to make it more practical, kind of how-to, day-to-day uh, grocery store type decisions. Where I sent up my recommendations here on the daily dozen checklist of all the healthiest of healthy foods out there. Now, in all of that, and in the book, when you're talking about the reversing of these conditions, like the ones we mentioned, um, how important is exercise in this whole thing, or is it just, uh, it, is it all about diet, in your opinion, or do they go complement each other, go hand in hand? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, look, if you think about a moderately obese person doing moderately intense physical activity, like uh, very brisk walking or biking, you, know, you burn off, you know, approximately 350 calories an hour. But in most drinks, snacks, other processed junk are consumed at a rate of about 70 calories a minute. Uh, therefore, it only takes five minutes of snacking for someone to wipe out a whole hour of exercise. That's why uh, basically you can't outrun a bad diet. <laughs> Believe me, I've tried. In the past, um We've heard a lot in terms of Netflix documentaries that, you know, you've been on as well, talking about U.S. obesity. And here in the U.K., there's no an obesity crisis as well. But I think every time I hear a report about this, certainly in terms of the U.S., obesity seems to be on the increase more and more. Now, with the work that you've been doing and the books that you've been writing and the messages that you've been getting across and other 
doctors in your field, like Dr. Neil Barnard, etc. Um, why do you think that's the case that more people are still, still in increasing numbers, becoming overweight? Is the message, do you think, just not getting through to people, or is it just lazy lifestyle choices? Well, look, you know, I mean, obesity is not some like moral failing, right? The battle of the bulge is a battle against the biology, and we're just living in a toxic food environment, floating, a sea of excess calories, drowning, um, really, uh, being bombarded with ads for you know, fast food and candy. Becoming overweight is a normal, natural response to an abnormal, unnatural ubiquity of these sugary, fatty foods that are concentrated in calories. And around, I guess, the, a lot of companies are making a lot of profitability out of this. You know, you've got the likes of McDonald's, KFC, you know, returning big profits for their shareholders and big returns for them. And they're not really too interested in people's health, let's be honest about it. Now, the thing about it is a lot of the farmers were this, you know, that are killing the animals, they're growing, they're bring, breeding them into existence. A lot of government subsidies are being pumped into this. Wouldn't it be make more sense? Maybe it wouldn't. Um, do you think that the governments could pump a lot more money into alternative food sources, the likes of, you know, plant-based diets and for these farmers to, you know, diversify into other areas. Would you agree with that? I mean, I, they, I mean why not subsidize the If you're going to subsidize any foods, why not subsidize the healthiest foods, right? Why are we, I mean, here in the States, we taxpayers give money to the sugar industry um and to make more corn syrup and to make uh you know cheaper livestock feed for you know dollar menu burgers instead of subsidizing fruits and vegetables making them you know cheaper or even free that we really care about people that's what we do but instead we care about the you know, very powerful money of interest that play um uh, an exaggerated role here in the political system in the united states now, in terms of new companies, uh, we're, we're touching on diversification just now, but if you think about the likes of Memphis Meats, who have been in the press this week, I know it's obviously still a meat source, but it's grown from a cell um, in a colander. But you've also got the likes of Beyond Meat, uh, the Impossible Burger, and things like that. What's your view on those companies? I know they're not essentially uh, at a whole foods plant-based, that, but do you, how do you see their future growing? Do you, do you think see that as a positive thing? Oh, my God, absolutely. I mean, it speaks to the tremendous explosion in interest in the plant-based nutrition. Um, uh, but, uh, and so, I mean, are they healthy? Well, compared to what? Compared to uh, a beef burger? Absolutely. But compared to black beans? Not even close, right? I mean, so definitely a great transition food, a stepping stone uh, towards a healthier diet. I just wouldn't want people to stall there and continue to move towards centering their diets around whole plant foods. Just don't eat them five days a week, I guess, is <laughs> the moral of that story. Um, one thing I read about you, Dr. Grieger, was that um, you don't take any sponsorship of any kind. Um, so what kind of makes you take and what, what drives you to do the work that you do and spread the message and get involved in the work that you do? Oh, um, well, it was really my grandma. You know, I mean, I was just a kid when my uh, grandma was sent home in a wheelchair to die. She had end-stage heart disease. Um, basically, I had so many bypass surgeries, you run out of plumbing at some point, could find the wheelchair, crushing chest pain, her life was over at age 65. Let me hear about this guy, Nathan Pritikin, uh, one of our early lifestyle medicine pioneers. And what happened next is actually detailed in Pritikin's biography. It talks about Francis Greger, my grandma, 
they wheeled her in and she walked out. In fact, within a few weeks, she was walking 10 miles a day. Even though she was given a medical death sentence at age 65, thanks to a healthy diet, said to enjoy another um, 31 years on this planet until age 96 to continue to enjoy her six grandkids, including me. So that's why I went to medical school. That's why, you know, 100% of my proceeds of all my books are donated to charity. I just wanted to do for everyone, um, everyone's family, what Pritikin did for my family. Well, one thing that I keep hearing, because I'm involved here in the UK in animal activism and campaigns and what have you, um, and at the minute we're in the middle of the Veganuary campaign here, which is trying to get people to try a vegan plant-based diet for the month of January. Um, it's a good time to get people, so it's New Year, new resolution, stuff like that. But in doing so, you come up against the usual kind of questions, you know, you know, pushback from people who maybe don't want to do it, or there's always some smart ass with a uh, thinks he has an answer for everything. But in terms of how the meat and dairy industries are viewed today, um, a lot of people have been drawing comparisons between that and big tobacco. So back in the, the 1980s, you know, when British American tobacco, Marlboro companies like that were being sued left, right, and center um, because obviously they were producing products that were causing people to get cancer and get sick and, and eventually die. Do you think in about 20 years, maybe 30 years, I don't know what time scale, but do you think we'll see a day where people will look back to the period that we're living in now and see meat and dairy as uh, the, the new big tobacco? Oh, well, I mean, they already are. The question is, are people going to see it? Mm. Um, uh, 20, 30 years sounds a little optimistic. It took about a half century. Um, uh, before society caught up to the science in terms of tobacco. Um, so we had, uh, you know, research dating back to the 1930s, linking lung cancer and smoking. But here in the States, the Surgeon General's report didn't come out until 1964, and it took uh, decades after that before smoking went um, down to where it is today with less than uh, one in five people smoking. So a tremendous public health victory. But... Uh, it takes a long time because the very powerful industries at work um, uh, to suppress the signs, muddy the waters, uh, create uh, manufactured controversies. Um, but uh, look, the science is the science. And so people who were aware of the science back in the 1930s, 40s, 50s and stopped smoking, well, they may have their lives to, um, uh, to thank for it. Um, uh, and similarly, those that understand the science now about plant-based, you know, evidence-based nutrition, um, you know, are ahead of the curve, sticking to the science, um, and we just can't wait until governments and society, you know, catch up to the science because it's a you know, matter of life and death, really. Yeah, one of the things, and I've watched some of your videos online, Dr. Greger, um, and you talk about people's taste and survival mechanism and, you know, going back to the Ice Age and stuff like that. And again, going back to the activism that I was mentioning before, a lot of people come back to me, you know, when... Uh, I talk to them about why they eat meat and why they eat dairy and why they eat cheese and what have you. And they say, I just love the taste of it. You know, they imagine their lives to be miserable without it, you know. So, and even though you try to explain to them how bad it is for them, why do you think some people really believe that, that it's, it, they just taste, it's fantastic and they couldn't live their lives without it? How do you view that? Well, I mean, we have natural evolutionary you know, triggers that, you know, to seek out calorie-dense foods. So that's fatty foods, that's sugary foods, and uh, salty foods. 
um, uh, um, to we have a sodium craving as well. And so the food industry just takes advantage of those evolutionary triggers um, to, you know, suck people into eating garbage. But what's nice is that your taste buds actually change. You put people on a low-salt diet, have them salt soup to taste. Uh, you know, initially everything tastes like cardboard, but then you, um, you know, put people on a few weeks, and all of a sudden the soup that you originally liked is too salty. You actually prefer lower-salt soup, and then you get the optimal uh, situation where um, health and taste align, where the tastier food is actually the healthier food. I mean, the... the you know, the ripest peach in the world would taste sour after a bowl of Fruit Loops. But, you know, you cut out the Fruit Loops, cut out these hyper-salty, hyper-fatty, hyper-sweet foods, and all of a sudden natural, normal food tastes delicious. You know, just a plain sweet potato, corn without butter and salt, corn on the cob. Um, these are, you know, craveably delicious foods, but you have to get away from that palate numbing that uh, the food industry has tried to hammer into people. It's an interesting point. I think I saw an interview with you online where um, I, the interviewer had asked you, um, what did you have for lunch today before you came in to the interview? I think he said, if I remember correctly, I had a sweet potato and cinnamon, and that was it. And I think the guy looked at you like you had two heads. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I just remember well, thinking, I, mean, because, I get what you mean. I mean. Right, as if I was like some kind of aesthetic monk or something. But you understand, <laughs> to me, that tastes really good. I mean... Um, and so I get the best of both worlds. Um, but, you know, if I started eating garbage, then, you know, it wouldn't taste good to me either. Yeah. So you just got to give it a chance. Healthier food, the more you eat it, the better the taste. Now, in one of your books, you talk about how uh, a lot of traveling that you do. And traveling, and you, I've seen you traveling all over the world, uh, promoting the books and generally spreading the message about, you know, whole foods, plant-based diet. When you're when you're actually traveling, how difficult do you find it um, to stick to to that diet? Oh, it's very difficult. I mean, you know, for the first few days, you know, I carry, you know, I can pack some snacks and stuff. But as soon as I run out of snacks, you know, depending on where I'm traveling to, you know, sometimes I can find a Whole Foods market or something, a really good, you know, salad bar, or hot bar. I can stock up on some healthy food, but. Uh, you know, it's, it's difficult to eat healthy on the road, but it'll get easier and easier as uh, more and more people demand healthy foods. Um, and so uh, I think uh, the future looks really bright. But in the meanwhile, uh, you know, if you don't have control over your food and you basically, uh, you know, give that control to others, they may not have your best interest at heart. I just want to go back to one of the um, points you touched on earlier, Dr. Krieger, when you talked about uh, government. And uh, so when we mentioned uh, subsidies to the meat and dairy industry, um, obviously there's some very powerful lobby groups who you know have the ear of government, um, have the ear of senators and people in the House of Representatives in the U.S. How do you see that changing? How do you see the likes of you know people like you and I who? And how do you see that change? And how do you think they'll actually get the ear of government? Or do you think the change will actually come more from the science? more from people saying, you know, the world's on fire, um, we need to do something about this, uh, people are getting sick, this is how we need to change it. And I know these companies are very, very good at just very slightly muddying the waters, just to the point whereby people get a little bit confused about it, and they go, actually, I don't know what's good for me. How do you see that changing? How do you see getting the ear of government to, to change in all of this? Well, the important thing is we don't have to wait. You know, when it comes to something safe, simple, side effect free, like, you know, stopping smoking, you don't have to wait till your doctor tells you, the government tells you to take the health insurance and just do it. 
Um, same thing with eating a healthy diet. But uh, in terms of actually getting the government to change and start recommending on what the science shows instead of uh, you know what their um, what their big donors uh, um, want them to say is campaign finance reform. We just need to get big money out of politics, and then people can stick up for the science. Um, and uh, um, I mean, it's nice to see we actually do have some plant-based advocates um, uh, here running for president. Two of the candidates um, for president um, are already even plant-based. The next mayor of New York City. Eric Adams, um, uh, we're hoping um, uh, maybe uh, he's also plant-based and uh, oh, doing well. a lot of fantastic work in the area. I didn't know that. Uh, that's, I'm sorry? No, that's good. I'm yeah, pleased to hear yeah, that. I didn't yeah, realize yeah. that. Yeah, very good. Now, Super exciting, yeah. Very good. I'm, I'm guessing one of those uh, isn't uh, President Trump uh, with the politician presidential uh, campaign. Yes, <laughs> I, uh, yes I, uh, I'm, I'm afraid he is not the best role model for healthy eating. <laughs> I'll leave that one there. Um, now, obviously, you've been very busy the last couple of years, well, forever, Dr. Krieger, in terms of uh, the promotion work and the writing that you've been doing. Um, what's next for you? What's next for Dr. Krieger in the next six to 12 months? Oh, well, so, uh, yeah, 200 City Book Tour, going to be out in the UK, uh, uh, I think, in April, beginning of May, something like that, doing a bunch of new countries that I've never been to. Very excited about that. Um, so about 10 months on the road and then, uh, sit down, and write the next book, how not to age. Oh, wow. Any tips you want to give us just ahead of that? <laughs> I, 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 you know, as much as I do, I haven't done the research yet. Yeah. Plenty of moisturizer in my case. So obviously you'll have seen from the name of this podcast is Vegan World. Um, one question I like to ask, all, close with all my guests is, um, how do you see the vegan movement in the next five to 10 years? Um, well, I mean, there's just been explosion. Anyone who's been involved in this uh, field um, for you know years knows it's just tremendous interest. Just, I mean, the fact that you know Burger King has ads on TV boasting that one of their burgers has zero percent beef. I mean, they go out of the way; they're, they're proud of that. I mean, that, I mean this is insane, right? Dunkin' Donuts and. Uh, and uh, you know Tim Morton and, and you know Carl Jr. and all these huge chains, you know, trying to fill with plant-based needs. Of course, they're, plant- they're filling with crap because that's how you make money. But uh, but this just speaks to uh, the interest. There, there are major dairies going out of business, major dairy corporations, um, just because people want healthy alternatives. I mean, so I mean, it's it's all the the revolution is already happening. I just. Um, you know, I just want to remind people that just because something's vegan doesn't mean it's healthy. And then we want to, uh, you know, we're, and people are just in it for the animals. Look, you're an animal too. You got to treat yourself well. And that means, uh, you know, not just eating, you know, vegetarian. You actually have to eat vegetable right there. You actually have to eat your vegetables. It's not enough to just cut out the bad stuff. You got to eat a lot of good stuff. Very good. Are you positive for the future with the, um, the world of animal rights and the vegan movement? Yeah. Well, I can't speak to the uh, to, to what's happening now on the right, but from a plant-based standpoint, the future is is uh, filled with uh, with uh, bouquets of kale. Thank you very much, Doctor Krieger. Thanks for your time today. So happy to help you. Love the good work. Thanks.